All right, welcome to GWP podcast. This is episode six with Marvin Jones, and you may not know who Marvin Jones is, but I'm gonna give him the platform to tell us a lot about himself. But all I'm gonna say is we're very, very fortunate to have Marvin Jones with us today. Just to give you a brief synopsis of what this episode is going to be about, is going to be about the importance of credit when you're building wealth. Credit is such a key tool. Businesses use it, people use it, and you should use it as well. And so without much ado, Marvin Jones, man, thank you so much and welcome to the WP Podcast. Hey, right on, Papa. Thank you for inviting me onto your platform to go ahead and share the importance of credit and credit building. It's nothing like OPM. You know, a lot of internet going to be dropped in here, but OPM, nothing like other people's money. And when you're able to uh, leverage somebody else's money to invest it, to get a return on it, you never have to use your money. This is going to be uh, my pack loaded, just informational driven about credit. So please grab your pen and paper and just be ready for the information that I just pour on to you and just uh, take notes and be ready for everything. I love it. I love it. So I think... My listeners are probably, as they're grabbing their notepads and their pens, they're probably wondering who is Marvin Jones, right? They want to learn a little bit about you. So I'll just give a brief story of how we met. You know, we we met in San Francisco. Uh, I was on my way to work. We had a quick chat and I noticed you you had a, a great company that can actually serve a purpose for my listeners today. And so my listeners that want to know who you are, tell them a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to keep it brief as uh, I can be elaborated. <laughs> but uh, I was born in Oakland, California. From there, I actually was raised in Vallejo, uh, California, which is not too far. Played football in high school. And I'm going to start there because from in football, I was able to go to college, which was at the University of Idaho. At the University of Idaho, I actually studied business management, which has been my passion since I've been 10. Finished school at Abilene Christian University in Texas. Uh, that's where um, I actually pursued the NFL. So the whole time that I was in um, college, the whole goal was to make it to the NFL or pursue it as much as possible. Two weeks before the pro day, ended up pulling a hamstring, so couldn't go full force with it. During the mix of, I don't like to live the woulda, coulda, shoulda life. So I ended up having a son in the in meanwhile, but ended up pursuing football still by going to New Mexico and playing for a professional team out there to see if it would lead to something. Along the journey, my whole thing has always been business. So although I've been pursuing the NFL, personally, I know that it was for a platform to just expose myself just to drive more business to me because I I know how the numbers of the NFL work. So it's not for long that you're going to be there. So the whole goal was just to get a platform to basically brand myself. So once I finished in the IFL, I went ahead and started to... um, Get into business and sales, which was car sales, from car sales to home inspections, which all led to me starting a company for credit repair, simply because it was a it was a journey of being confined in a small home, having kids, raising, being expanded. I didn't want to be confined to just having what was presenting as this is all you can have. So um, I went ahead and started looking at my credit, looking at videos. Eventually found me a mentor from the mentor. Everything skyrocketed up. So you're going to hear me talk about mentorship and just finding somebody that you can understand, relate to, and cut that learning curve down to um, to get to your goal. So that's uh, kind of Marvin in a nutshell. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> elaborate too much with everything, but 
please, uh, you can ask your questions. I- I'll dive into it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's thank you so much for sharing that. So, very illustrious journey so far, which is very amazing. Uh, one thing that sort of catches my attention is I studied business management too. So I think great minds think alike there. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I sort of wanted to ask you about, you know, growing up in Oakland, California, living in California now, I'm a little familiar with Oakland. And so from your perspective, with growing up in Oakland, California, up to this point where you've got to learn so much about business management and building credit, building wealth and stuff like that. What is your definition of wealth? My definition of wealth, um, honestly, is going to be able to capture my time back. Um, once I'm able to have my time and my control and everything is taken care of, now I can go ahead and reinvest my time into um, projects or uh, different things that I like to do to go ahead and expand upon my life. So um, wealth to me is just being able to have full control of your time to go out and execute the thing that you want to go ahead and do in life for sure. I love that. That's that's a, that's amazing. That's a great definition. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Yeah. yeah this, this is a uh, it's it's one of my favorite questions to ask because you always get sort of a different definition, uh, mm-hmm. and so it's always interesting to hear them. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, there's um, you know, money. There's money for wealth. There's you know, wealth of knowledge. It's all that comes with you having your time. Because because once you have your time, you can go get smarter. I always tell people there is nobody better than you. I'm no I'm I'm not better than nobody. But I one thing I will do different than you is apply the information that I receive. You know, and why by me applying the information, that's going to continually to separate the one that apply it and don't apply it. And that's the only thing that separates us for sure. Absolutely, I agree. So diving right into our topic today, right? The importance of credit when you're building wealth. I think of my listeners as very young adults that are some of them coming out of college, some of them still in college, just getting started on the financial journey. And so for those who don't understand what credit is or what the importance of credit is, what can you tell them? Start as soon as possible. Uh, For anybody that don't understand credit, let's start with you want to have a diverse portfolio. You want to have credit cards inside your portfolio. You want to have installment loans. Installment loans are things that you pay on over a period of time. So let's say like a car loan would be like an installment loan. A home loan would be like an installment loan. Uh, Revolving credit cards. Revolving means that when you pay off your credit card, you're going to receive that money back to yourself. So you constantly have an open line of credit. So you definitely want to have a mixed portfolio, installment loans, your payment history, um, it's very important. You don't want to have no late payments. But starting earlier is important because the history, the length of time that you have credit is the most important thing upon your credit profile. Starting early, having diverse portfolio revolving credit. So for someone that's just getting started and listening to all this stuff right now, they're probably like, where do I get started? Right? How do <laughs> I how do I have credit? I, I hear people talking about credit credit, you know, you've helped people repair their credit, maybe even build their credit and all that kind of stuff. So when a person comes to you and they're like, Hey, Marvin, you know, I don't have any credit. I'm trying to build my credit. Where do you start with them? Uh, first thing I do is look at the profile. Um, I'm going to see what negative items are on the um, profile for us, the uh, credit report. And if it's uh, worth removing, I'm going to remove those items off. So I want everybody to keep in mind when you're getting your credit taken care of, 
items will be removed off. If the date of that um, reporting item that we took off was, let's say, 10 years ago, that's 10 years of history that you're losing off that account right there. So depending on if it's worth keeping, we might keep it, but we want to make sure that we have enough history on your profile to keep it lengthy. But removing items is step one. Step two, as I remove items, I will coach you on how to add on items to your profile. Um, so let's start with um, how to add things on. Adding things on is awesome, but you want to clear off the report. You know, you want to get rid of all the negative names that's on your credit report. You want to get rid of any address that's not on your report. You want to get rid of any job that you don't work at no longer. Um, by you getting rid of those three things by themselves, you're narrowing down where you live, where you work, and any other account that was associated with those other addresses, those other names, or other jobs will no longer belong to you because it's not on your report card at all. So making sure that you have a clean report card is the number one thing, uh, names, addresses, jobs, and then start removing all the negative items following those um, three things right there for you. Hello there. You're listening to GWP Podcast with myself, Papay Alquino, and Marvin Jones, CEO and founder of Altruistic Financial. Our goal with this podcast is to provide you relevant information that can help you be successful on your financial journey. Enjoy the episode. Fantastic. So sort of diving a little back a little bit. So first, it's the credit report. So every single person should get a credit report. Is that is that what you would say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's where the um, that's where the game starts. Um, if you don't know um, the playing field, uh, you don't know where to swing. You don't know how to adjust. So getting the credit report would be number one. Um, that way you can see what's on the report and you know where to go from there. Lovely. So for people that are wondering, okay, how do I get my credit report? I think there are a couple of different ways you can get that report. I'm sure FICO provides that report. Equifax also provides that report. TransUnion also provides that report. So I'll definitely put links to how uh, people can get that report. Uh, I don't know if there's any other avenues where people can get that report, Marvin. Let me say, um, when you're looking at your reports, there you're going to see on some of them something say Vantage 3.0, which is a scoring model that those particular companies are using at that particular time. Vantage 3.0 would be your more recent activity on your credit. It's not wrong. It's just a model that not every um, creditor will probably use to approve you. Your FICO 8 is the more um, announced um, FICO score out there for you. Your FICO 8 is going to be your overall portfolio of your credit for you. So when you're looking at your, um, your credit reports on um, Credit Karma or um, some of your credit cards, if you see Vantage 3.0, um, it's going to show you a credit score. It might be different than your FICO 8. Just know that your FICO 8 is more used in the real world um, activity for you. Lovely. Thank you so much for breaking that down. So good. So now I'm thinking of this as a journey, right? So this person has got their credit report. Now the second step is, okay, now that I have the credit, they're probably asking themselves, what is good credit? What is bad credit, right? Why should someone have good credit? And why should someone that has bad credit try to have good credit? Absolutely. Let's see. Let's start here for you. Um, good credit on your portfolio. You want to have a minimum of 10 accounts inside of the green. 
meaning you want to have 10 accounts reporting as on paid on time, low balances are reported on them meaning under 10%, you want to keep it about 8 to 9% on your usage. By you having a strong profile and good data points, that's going to give you a good score. Um, the importance of, of having a good score, imagine buying a house and you bought the house for 4% interest, but your neighbor bought the home for 8% interest. Is that the same price for both homes? Let's say 500000 for each house, but one pays 2000 a month and one pays $3,500 a month. Like that's the huge difference of having good credit versus bad credit is that when you borrow money, you want to borrow money at the lowest rate possible. That way you can get a return on your investment. If you choose to either take cash or any merchandise, always borrow it at the lowest rate and um, you will be in a great position to pay less money on the money that you borrow. You're paying 12, 14, 18% for cars. It's robbery. Just to be um, quite frank with you, yes, you got the car, but yes, you're going to pay twice the amount for that car. So um, I'd rather you fix your credit for about two to three months, position yourself correctly, and at least get a lower rate um, on the vehicle or you know anything when you want to borrow money. Yeah. Wow. Lovely. Thanks for sharing that. So basically, credit is more like a tool, right? Is oh, that, is that oh, what you would say? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, and it's a tool based off of OPM which is other people's money. Other people's money is how the world works. Um, no matter how old you are, once you understand that every building that is bought majority of the time is on other people's money. Uh, meaning that if I want to go buy a commercial building for $3 million, I'm going to go get a loan from a bank, borrow their money, purchase the property, and then rent it out and renovate it to go ahead and acquire a passive income off of that purchase. So not only did I were able to attain the money based off of good credit, but now I'm able to purchase an asset that's going to drive me revenue every single month. Some very important point that you make there, right? Because for us that are trying to build wealth, some of us might think, okay, uh, maybe I need uh, $500,000 in order to be able to buy my first home, right? And buying your first home is very, very important. And what's even more important is what you just mentioned, that getting it at a very good low rate, right? And you could get that low rate by having that good credit, right? So it yeah. looks like everything connects from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, and once again, the, the, the good credit is not just having a high score. I mean, I want to make sure I say that again. Having a good credit report does not mean having a high score. Having a good credit report, meaning it means having a mixed portfolio uh, of everything I mentioned from the installment loans to your um, revolving credit cards, to you having low usage, to you having about 15 to 20 accounts. Because once you have 15 accounts on your profile and all of them are paid on time um, and you have no late payments with them, that automatically sets you up for automatic approval. Not the score, but your profile. Your, your data points is what the computer system is gonna use to approve you for automatic approvals. So if you only have one, two, three accounts and you got like a 710 credit score, you still won't get approved for certain things because your profile is not thick enough. And if you only had that for about six months, eight months being younger, you're not trustworthy yet. So that's when if you've been doing it for three to five years, now you look trustworthy. And there are loops and tricks to adding years to your profile. <laughs> um, you don't always have to wait the duration. Uh, there, there are definitely ways of adding 
years to your profile to make you have a strong profile for you, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really, really helpful. Great. So next thing that I want to talk about is big question. That is, how many credit cards should a regular person have? And I was having this conversation with a friend the other day, and he mentioned he had eight credit cards. And I I told him I had three credit cards. And I'm like, you know, what's better, right? Having eight or maybe having a minimum amount of credit cards. So with your experience, you know, in this business of, you know, repairing credit, building credit and walking people through the journey of credit, what is the right answer to this question? You want to have as many credit cards as possible. (laughs) Uh, Credit cards is OPM at the highest level. Um, Whenever somebody gives you a credit card that is not a store card, let me make sure I say that, that is not a store card, you can go spend that money freely wherever you want. I know everybody's heard of the term turning credit to cash. That's true. That's very true. So if you have a lot of money, let's say $100,000, $10,000 of credit, and you were to liquidate your credit card, now you have cash to go purchase an um, asset that's going to bring you back returning your money, and you can pay off the credit card. So you just basically did a self-funding for yourself without having to go get the loan through, through somebody. So the more, credit card that you, the more credit cards you have available to you, sets you up for bigger purchases, allows you to hide your utilization as well to keep your credit score high. And I'll elaborate on that um, for you. But you, you definitely want to have 10, 15 credit cards. Um, if you can get cash back cards, you want to use your cash back cards for all your purchases. You want to get rid of your debit card. You probably heard it before, but you don't want to make no purchases on your debit card, um, especially when you have a credit card that gives you cash back. <clears throat> People get the conception that when you use a credit card that you're going to be charged with interest. That interest is only charged whenever you go past the 30 days and they register on your profile stating that you actually borrowed their money and used it. So whenever time you want to go to the grocery store, the movies, and you're going to spend your money off your debit card, you swipe your credit card, you get the cash back, and you take the money out of your debit account to pay off your credit card. Exact same thing. And if you get good at that, they're going to give you high limit credit cards. Now your job is just to manage the credit card. Because if now if you got 20000 in credit cards, you know that every month you got 20000 as long as you pay off your credit card. <laughs> So having um, as many credit cards as you can attain is a good thing. There are strategies on how to attain them quickly, but the first part would be to have your credit report set up in a good manner. That way you can get those auto approvals. I love it. This is, this is awesome. So you mentioned a few key things there, right? That I, I would love for you to elaborate on. Mm-hmm. You mentioned utilization rate. And Absolutely. also you mentioned something about your payment history. What are these key things? All right. So let's start with uh, payment history. Your payment history is going to make up about 35% of your profile for you, meaning that you want to keep a good name with the creditors and people that lend you money by paying them on time. Um, if you don't, if you're not going to be responsible to pay somebody back that lent you something, then you're going to have a bad name in a game and you won't be able to maximize the game that we play, which is borrow other people money to live a, debt-free life. So you definitely want to get into a habit of just paying people back. And you're not late until it's 30 days past the due date. So 
pay them, pay them, pay them by all means. If you have a credit card and you pay them, you get the money back. So it's not spent money. So think about whenever you use your credit card and you run up a tab on it and you put the money back on there, you got the money available to you again. So you might be cash poor, but you credit rich. And as long as you can keep borrowing the money and making the right move with it, you're going to be okay in the long run for you. Hey, you're listening to Marvin Jones, founder and CEO of Altruistic Financial. In this episode, we're learning how credit is important to building wealth. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. And then uh, let's dive into the utilization. Okay, I'm going to make this fun for us. All right, let's say that you have eight credit cards. You mentioned eight credit cards. So I'm going to use eight real quick. Let's say that you have eight credit cards. You want to put four of them due on the 10th, four of them due on the 24th, and you want to make sure that you have an equal balance of the cards, meaning that if you have 20000 you want 10000 here, 10000 here. And what you would do to hide your utilization is, let's say the cards on the 10th are due, um, and the cards on the 24th are all zeroed out, and it's the 24th of the month. You're going to take the money off these credit cards off the 24th, pay the credit cards on the 10th. Once the credit card register has been paid off on the 10th, you're going to go ahead and liquidate the credit cards again to have it paid off the 24th. So now you never show a balance of your usage on either credit card. And as long as you pay them in between those transitions, you pay 0% interest. Wow. That's going to go over a lot of heads right there. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you say, when you say liquidate that credit card, like what, what exactly do you mean in liquidating that card? There are several ways of pulling your, your credit into cash. So I'll give a, I'll give a quick scenario. Um, I walk into a store. Now, when you guys, if you guys got your pin, not every store works this way, but when you find your store that works, you do it over and over. Okay, so that's my disclaimer to you guys. Okay, so I walk into a store and I'm going to purchase an item that costs, let's say, $2,000. I'm going to use my debit card to probably put 100 bucks on my debit card. I'm going to pay the remaining of balance with the 1900 off my credit card. I'm going to go home, sit on that item for a few days, and then I'm going to go take it back and return it. And when I return it, I'm going to return it with just my debit card and ask them if you can just return this item. I didn't like it. My wife got mad at me. Boyfriend was upset with me, whatever the case is. And just return the item. You return things all the time. Just return it. Bring up your debit card. Say, can you return to my debit card? Here it is. They're going to liquidate or they're going to return all the money that you spent onto your debit card. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the scenario, you only use $100 off your debit card, $1,900 off your credit card. Now the whole $2,000 is on your debit card. Let that sit in for you. Wow. And that's the power of other people's money. That's the power of other, other people's money. You don't even have to pay monthly payments on your credit cards once you get good with it, because you're going to be constantly moving money around. So therefore, you're not even using your own cash to pay your monthly payments. Um, you're just moving credit to credit back and forth. Um, eventually, you want to pay off your balances, of course, um, but at least you're able to do it as 0% interest once you're able to set up everything correctly and just bounce the money back and forth for you. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, you're welcome. I mean, a credit card, you rent up a credit card for 15,000. 
you, you get approved for another $15,000 credit card, swap it over to the other one, set up your dates, let it register, your credit score skyrocket. And so speaking of credit, right, and, you know, getting your credit up and getting the right credit score in order to be able to get access to um, more money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's another thing we also have to look out for, which is the credit repair scams, right? So you're in this business, you're, you know, you're killing it in this business, you're helping people um, attain their goal. How are you able to uh, get people to look out for these credit repair scams that are out there? It's, uh, it's very difficult to know what you're getting into. Um, I always say just do your homework on, on, what you're, on what you're going to get into. But let me target the credit bureaus as the biggest scam versus going after individuals trying to assist you guys. It's, it's a time thing. It's not like, you know, we're going to get it off in 30 days. I, I never overpromise. I always like to give myself time to work with the system. Because the system that we're really fighting against are the credit bureaus. Um, they are they make millions of dollars every year for selling your information over and over again. And there's laws put in place that we can implement towards the bureaus and get these items removed. It just takes time. You know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Those are all real time frames for depending on what items you're trying to get removed off of. Um, so I'm going to point the fingers at um, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. Um, right now, that's why there's a big talk about them being all three of those big companies going away, and they're going to be using the CFPB um, system as just the main hub, which is a federal entity. So I can personally tell you that when I'm sitting here arguing with the uh, bureaus, I use the CFPB because they're my big brother company and basically say, hey, they're not complying with the laws, and I need you guys to go ahead and authorize them. So if, if it switches to that and you have not fixed your credit yet, you're going to be in a little bit of a tight jam. If you if you're hearing it on, you know, the YouTube that pop up, like it's it's a real thing. Like the CFPB is looking to take over the whole credit report and it will it will damper the majority of Americans. that don't have a get credit score starting off for sure. Interesting. So there's also the, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Does that have anything to do with this kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. That's your best friend. Honestly, the, um, the FCRA is your best friend. If you're savvy enough, you know, and don't have to be savvy. I mean, once you want to make it a priority and take things in your own hand, go get the CFPB and read the book with a highlighter. Because once you understand the laws that work in your favor, you can write your own letters over to the bureaus. You know, I told you to pull your report. So once you pull your report and you read the CFPB, you'll see what laws that they're breaking and what um, and how they're violating your rights for you. So that book, hands down, reading through it, it's, it's pretty lengthy. Um, I can sit here and name off different different things, but jump on jump on the net and just research what laws or where, where to start because that book is the bread and butter. It's almost like the Bible of laws for credit. Because <laughs> once you understand uh, what they're doing wrong, you're just going to point out their faults. You're not, you didn't say that you didn't do it. You're just saying, hey, you didn't cross your T's and you didn't dot your I's. Right. And simply because they didn't do everything that they were supposed to do correctly, um, it has to come off your credit report. You can even Google the uh, FCRA and um, just start um, going through it um, and, and just nailing it. Like, it's why do you pay somebody to do it? Because they did all the hard work for you. 
<laughs> but uh, if you if you got the time and you're driven to make your change, as I was, because there was nobody you know there for me until I found a mentor. But it took me months of just learning, of just diving into it and making it a priority of my life to really change where I was to attain what I have now. It was just day in and day out. You know, there is no real shortcuts besides you know paying people for the shortcut information, but you have to apply it. You have to apply it. I promise you, you have to apply it. Very, very important. Have to apply it. So thank you so much for uh, for sharing that and where we can find CFPB book because I'm definitely going to look into that and for sure give it a read. Absolutely, it's a little lengthy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll shoot you over a couple of sections that you should focus on. That way you can know where to start at for you. Then you can link it out to your people as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marvin. And so credit, as we mentioned, you know, we've talked a lot about credit, but credit is also not free, right? There's a cost for credit, right? When it comes to interest rates and APRs and the financing charges and stuff like that. Could you sort of give us a, an understanding of how that works also? Absolutely. Um, so let's see. I'm going to start with a house, okay? A house is set up on what is called a annualization loan, which baffled me because when I bought my first home, I found out that a home loan is loaded up front with nothing but interest, meaning that if I'm paying $2,000 a month, only about $300 is going towards the principal and the, all the, and the remaining amount is going towards the interest. So that is a amortization loan, which is a front-loaded um, interest loan for you. When you buy a car, that is a simple interest loan, meaning that you only pay interest on what you use um, for the car. For so, for example, if you buy it on the first of January and you pay it off on February first, uh, you only paid interest on the vehicle for thirty days. Um, you didn't pay the total amount. So, if the interest on the car was ten percent. You only paid a fraction of 10% because 10% would have been over the whole duration of the loan for you. So that's another way to don't worry about the interest rate sometime if you have a plan on paying it sooner or faster or paying it off because now the interest rate won't matter uh, because it's a simple interest loan. You're only going to pay interest on the money that you borrow for the duration of time that you had it for. Um, yeah, so keep that in mind. Cars, simple interest, homes, amortization loans, uh, interest is front loaded. Uh, let's see, you have your APR, which is your annual percentage, um, which is it works to, let's say for your credit cards, if it's 24%, you're going to pay about 2% a month in interest. And over a year, you're going to pay 24% on that card. Um, so you won't be paying no interest on your card if you set up your dates, like I mentioned earlier. So hopefully you had your pen and paper and write that down because you won't pay no interest rate if you learn how to bounce your money back and forth for you. And it definitely shoot up your score. I promise it'll shoot up your score for sure. Love it. Man, this has been great. I think we could probably keep on going for, for, for a few days here. Uh, oh, man. Just, to, just to wrap it up here, I think you've shared so much. Marvin, thank you so much for, for coming on and you. you know dropping you. All, all this knowledge on us. Really, really appreciate it. One last quick thing that I sort of want to touch on is people building wealth. Once you've got the credit in check, once you're going your wealth, do you have any advice on how they can protect their wealth? Oh man, absolutely. First thing you want to do, get yourself a trust. A trust will 
You can do a family trust and a business trust. They're going to come with a pretty penny, which is fine because once you obtain the money, you want to protect your money. So myself personally, I have a family trust and I have a business trust. So what the trust will do will, it will allow you to have full control over your business, but you're not the owner of the business. So which means that the taxes won't fall on you. It falls on the business and not on you. So which allows you to actually <laughs> qualify for government grants and government loans because now your income is suppressed because you personally didn't make no money. The business made all the money. And since the business made all the money, the business can pay you a certain percentage, but you just keep that under a certain amount because once again, you don't need money. You need it available to you. So keep it out of your name. Keep it in the entity name, which is a business. America is a corporation. So you have to become a corporation, a business of such and hide your money, not hide, but store your money in your business for um, tax purposes. I love it, man. Again, thank you so much. Such a great, great episode that you've shared here. Um, so for people that are looking to connect with you, where can they find you? You can jump on Instagram. You can find me at Credit Marv on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well, Credit Marv. So uh, if you if you want either one of those platforms, just message me, tap in with me. I'm more than willing to uh, respond and make a dialogue with you guys. Um, but Facebook and Instagram, that's my main two platforms that I um, work off of. So if you guys are looking for me, look for Credit Marv and I'll be on there for you guys. Marvin, thank you so much for doing this episode with us. Hey, absolutely, Papa. Appreciate that. Um, and if you need anything else from me in the future, I'll be around for you. You have just heard from myself, the host, Papa Alquino, and our guest, Marvin Jones. This is GWP Podcast Season 2, Episode 6. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and share what you've learned today with someone you love and care about. Thank you.